near-death experience podcast, an ongoing exploration of spiritually transformative experiences, including NDEs and other phenomena, in order to elucidate the ineffable and better understand our spirituality. All episodes are available at ndepodcast.org. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and guests are not necessarily those of NDE Podcast, the NDERF, any sponsors, or for that matter, anyone else. In the end, the only opinion that really matters is yours. Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side, and the composer of the album Home, both of which can be found on our website, neardeathexperiencepodcast.org. So today we're going to go through several... Uh, near-death experiences, small ones that I've uh, come across that were interesting, and we'll kind of, I'm not going to race through them exactly, but we'll just see how many we can hit this time. I actually recorded a full experience uh, already, pretty long one, with the idea of it being today's episode, and right at the end of the recording, I realized, wait a minute, this really sounds familiar, and sure enough, I checked it out, and it's one I'd already done. It's not the first time I've done that, but uh, I checked out these. I'm pretty sure that these that I'm about to read have not been read before, so I apologize if that happens on occasion. But, um, so let's start with Kevin. All of these are from enderf.org. Kevin says, A spike in blood pressure caused a blood vessel to burst in my nose. I tried for several hours to get it to stop, but to no avail. I eventually had my wife take me to the local hospital. While waiting to get help, I started to go into shock. The triage nurse measured my blood pressure as approximately 170 over 120. When a doctor came to take me to an examination room, my legs gave out and... I was carried into the exam room. I remember nurses continually asking if I was still with them, and I thought, how absurd. Of course I'm still here. I then found myself walking through a grassy field, the sun warm on my face, the trees off in the distance turning fall colors. The grass was about thigh high, but not difficult to walk through. I felt absolute happiness and peacefulness. I got the feeling that someone was just over the rise waiting for me. I then found myself back in that ugly green exam room with the doctors holding my legs up over my head and saying, He's back! We've got him! I was so disappointed, almost angry to be back. I was only gone a few seconds. And that is the end of Kevin's experience. His is kind of fun because... uh, He's, you know, in this moment of, ah, it's silly, you know, why, why am I even having trouble staying awake or whatever, staying up? And then he just finds himself walking through a grassy field with the sun warm on his face, the trees off in the distance turning fall colors. And he's walking through the grass and felt absolute happiness and peaceful. 
and he even had the feeling that someone was waiting just over the horizon for him. That, that seems like that call to come toward the light that many people feel. And it's cool that it's, you know, in, in a, a landscape setting. I think if I had to choose what kind I would either want, well, I might want space too. I do like the, sp the ones where they're out in space. <laughs> I would enjoy that. Um, but between those, either out in space with the stars and galaxies and so forth, or in a beautiful landscape. You know, something comes to mind, and this is probably not anything, you know, deeply spiritual, but it just makes me think of this. I have noticed that um, when I do meditation, my favorite way to do it is with the sun shining directly on my face. Now, I have to be careful, obviously, because, you know, if I'm going to sit there for 20 minutes with it unabated on my face, it could sunburn pretty badly. <laughs> but uh, if but if I've got a good setting, you know, lately, this is just the time of year that the time that I do my meditation, the sun is, you know, just risen and, and shining in my window. And I sit there and let it, you know, just brighten behind my eyelids, I guess you could say. And I have noticed that when I have a really good, deep meditation time, um, regardless of whether I have sun on my face, but when I have a really deep meditation experience, I often get flashes of what, I mean, they're images, they're clearly very, you know, sometimes detailed images, but they are very much like dreams. And I picture them as being some kind of semi-wakeful dream. And there, I don't have situations like I do with most dreams where, you know, suddenly you're tripping or something or suddenly, you know, some situation like that. That's pretty rare. I, other than when I am falling asleep while, you know, dozing off while I'm um, meditating. Um, but I found some tricks to stay awake, such as putting a you know, a, a pan or small stone or something on my head, because as soon as my head starts to droop in sleep, it falls and wakes me up. And so, you know, I don't droop far before waking up uh, when I'm doing that. And it's starting to train me to stay awake a little better during meditation. Anyway, I will have these times, you know, where I'll be sitting there and then ju there'll just be this scenery or, you know, a flash of you know, I could see the mountain, a mountainside, random mountainside or something, and then it will be gone just instantly. And, and I don't pretend to suggest that I'm seeing the other side or anything like that. I, I have no reason to suspect that. But it does make me wonder if sometimes in peaceful settings, when we are falling asleep, if some of the dream images that we have are reflective of what we subconsciously or spiritually remember from the other side. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, the reason I bring up the sun thing is because sometimes when I've got the sun shining in my eyes, so it's it's like too bright for me to open my eyes, um, but uh, there's just this you know glaring light and I'm meditating and calm and just feeling peaceful. It's very often that, that those dream images that that appear after several minutes of, of meditation 
will be of sky or of, you know, beautiful clouds, you know, something that sounds kind of like this grassy field, you know, with the sun warm on his face and the trees off in the distance. They, and they'll be, you know, very clear images for just, I mean, it's a split second. And I think part of the reason that it's, that it is so short is because being semi-awake as I am, albeit semi-asleep also, <laughs> I recognize that I am seeing while awake something that is not in my mortal surroundings, you might say. And, and it's kind of exciting, and that excitement wakes me up from it. And so it, it'll be a flash image, and then it, whoosh, and it's gone. So I'm like, oh, that was cool. That was, that was really pretty. <laughs> and I have to get pretty deep in order for it to last more than, gosh, quarter of a second or so, you know. <laughs> but it will be, you know, this beautiful, clear image. And I, I just wonder if sometimes, not always, you know, meditation might be a, a more common setting for it. If, if there's times that are quiet, subconscious, silent minds are able to either remember or conjure images that remind us of where we came from. So, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, kind of a cool little experience there. Let's go to Peter. Peter says, It was a sunny day. We were in kindergarten, which was located at the roof of the building. It was breakfast break time. We were playing, and my cousin told me that I can fly. I stayed in my place, thinking while my two cousins and my brother went away, and I climbed the wall and jumped. While I was falling, I saw a very fast movie for what I did at that time. After I hit the ground... I didn't feel anything. Then suddenly I saw myself falling down in a torturous well. It was dark and I couldn't see anything, but I was able to hear other voices. Some voices were laughing, crying, or speaking. Some of them were falling faster than me. It was frightening and I was trying to find anything to catch. I moved falling for a while. It was a long well, and then I exited from the well to find myself standing at the beginning of a tunnel. There was someone who exited with me, but it disappeared. I stayed at my place, thinking what to do. It was a long tunnel. At the end of the tunnel, there was a doorway without a door. Outside this door, a very bright light was shining the tunnel. There was nothing to see or hear. It was just me inside this tunnel and that light. I thought to go back. I looked back and saw darkness and said, no way. I thought to stay in my place, but did not know for how long I would be staying. I said to myself, there's no other way. It is better to go to that life than to stay here. Maybe I will find someone or anything. I started moving slowly until I reached the middle of the tunnel and everything was gone. There is another thing I would like to add. 
I had remembered something about my past life. The vision of my past life is not clear enough, but I can remember that I was in a very dark place. There was nothing to see. I was able to hear voices, and I was able to see a light coming from afar, but I was unable to reach it. There were no feelings of time. It was a quiet place. The darkness was everywhere. I had all my feelings with all my senses. I was able to move around, but I said it is better to stay in a place where you can hear voices. It is better that to go afar. Someone came from the light and said, There is an empty space. So I started to move to reach that light. But someone was faster than me, so I said, Next time I will be faster. This time I stayed a longer time than the first one that suddenly came and said, There's an empty space. So I started moving until I reached the light. The light surrounded me, and then I found myself in a very narrow place. After a while, I started pushing to get out of this place. That explains why babies push their mother's stomachs. It is an inconvenient place. And then I came out and started crying. I started crying from the light and from the noise, which were unusual things in the place that I came from. The baby can remember his past life for a very short time after birth, and it's gone after that. If someone experienced a very dead injury, he or she may remember something. That is the end of Peter's experience. I find this one a little bit confusing. Um, not not in the sense of, of, I don't believe it, but in the sense of, I'm not 100% clear on on what's going on in the situation or in, in the experience. Um, he finds himself fi- falling down a well. First off, he's in kindergarten, so he's just a little kid, and he's convinced by his cousin, maybe unintentionally, but uh, convinced by his cousin that he can fly. And so he thinks, well, I could go jump off the building and fly then, which is interesting too because, you know, kids are usually too afraid to try something even if their imagination convinces them of something as absurd as being able to fly. But uh, apparently Peter's imagination was strong enough to convince him at the risk of his own life. And his life was put into jeopardy when he jumps off the <laughs> or the side of the building. So, um, I, you know, he doesn't go into detail beyond that of how he recovered or anything, but... He did live to tell us the tale, so we'll go with that. So in his experience, he is first falling down a well, a deep well, and falling faster and faster. There's others falling, and it was frightening at first. And then he, you know, reaches the end of it. I don't know if it's the bottom or if he just finds himself down there and suddenly looking down a long tunnel. And there's this door, and he doesn't want to go. He seems to know that this is the end of this life. And you go forward, you will die. Or at least you will move on to the other side. You will go beyond this mortal realm and not return. But of course, looking back, he sees darkness, probably the void, and he doesn't want to go back there. He's like, no way. 
But then the idea of staying is, you know, is, is, it's like the only thing he can do to keep from dying, I guess. And he says it's better to go to that life than to stay here. Probably because he's not able to do anything. So he begins moving toward the middle of the tunnel. Or toward the, um, you know, the other side. And while he's headed there, everything disappears and he's back. And then he talks about a memory that seems to have either been awakened from this experience or maybe a memory that he had during this experience or a memory of this experience where he remembers seeing these things and he recalls, from what we can tell, his own birth. This is not terribly unusual in near-death experiences, especially with those who have um, life reviews. They often see their own birth which, while it may seem too apparent to be an uncomfortable idea of their child remembering the birth just because of the, you know, very openness of the situation and all the medical everything and and being in the raw, so to speak, um, it doesn't seem to be uncomfortable at all uh, for the experiencer. They remember the sense of, you know, feeling liberated coming out, but also feeling this intense love of and from their parents. And also this idea of them being able to still sense the other side, to remember um, for at least a short time the other side. Which makes me think that our children, as they are born, for a time probably remember the spirit world. It's the only memories that they might have if they have been waiting to come until birth. Anyway, kind of interesting. Okay, let's go to Weston from Enderf.org also. Weston says, Late spring thaw caused Elkhorn River to overflow its banks. I went down the river in a rowboat with a friend and his two older brothers. We wore no life vests. River current forced the boat into a tree limb. The tree limb threw me to the rear of the boat, and the boat then tipped and took on water. I panicked and jumped away from the sinking boat. Not knowing how to swim, I went under and submerged three times, staying under for approximately twelve minutes. While under, I, at first, saw many dazzling colors, I also remember seeing angels and darkness. The darkness was very scary, and it seemed as though it lasted forever. Then I was in a dark tunnel, and I began to see a dim light at the end of the tunnel. As I traveled closer to the light, it became brighter and brighter. Finally, the light became the most brilliant white one could ever imagine. The white then began to take the form of Jesus. I don't remember if words were exchanged, but I did get the urge to stay with him. I wanted to stay, but he sent me back, and the next thing I knew, my head was bouncing off a tree limb, which was part of a downed yet stable tree in the water. A hand then came down under the water and took my submerged arm, lifting me from the river and placing me on the top of the tree trunk. I was saved. 
Before this experience, I had never before been inside a church. I only knew Jesus through pictures. I was saved by my friend's big brother. Okay, that is the end of that experience. And as far as uh, the experience itself, what we get is dark tunnel, a dim light at the end of the tunnel. Um, there's also something of a scary, dark aspect that it, I... I don't think he's saying that it lasted forever for him. I think it sounds like he's looking into this dark place and it seems to go on forever, this dark place. I could be wrong, but that's that's my interpretation of what he's saying there. I'm not sure. But um, then he goes on to meet Jesus and... He doesn't remember, from what he says, he doesn't remember if, if they exchanged words or what, but he does want to stay and have an urge to stay. But Jesus asks him or insists that he return back. Okay, let's do one more. This one is Stephen. Stephen says, I had my brother's fishing net in my right hand and I was trying to catch a dragonfly and I kept reaching over the water and I fell in. I was in a different world, looking up at the surface. <coughs> I had no idea I was in danger and started breathing in the water. It felt good in my lungs. And on the fifth or sixth breath of water, I was dead. I was in this void of darkness and without hope. And I spoke. I said, where am I? I could hear the words. A great love came down, saved me, and lifted me up. I was going to perish. I was in a deep, deep trouble. All I had to do was accept it. In your wildest imagination, you cannot believe how good Jesus is. He spoke and said to my ears, Do you believe I created the universe? And I said, Yes. I was taken above the water and ground, and I had the mind of Christ. I was in the father, family of the Father. His mind guided me to look at my corpse, and we watched as my older brother breathed air, and in a strange death flash, and it was so weird. I've never forgotten that sight. I can't get it out of my thoughts. I tremble and I trembled and screamed, suddenly realizing I was created by the very words that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And Jesus spoke. He said, Go back. And on my way, God said, Black people have been wronged. I rose from the dead, and I could feel millions and millions of eyes watching me. I never heard God again. I've always found it fun to speak and think to Jesus about the thoughts of others. It seems I'm the only free person on the face of this earth. It seems so strange people think about the black death plague and then watch a person die in a race car. I call it gory glory. That is the end of Stephen's experience. And I'll admit, I really don't understand what he's saying in those last couple of sentences um, that 
He says, I've always found it fun to speak and think to Jesus about the thoughts of others. So I suppose he, I don't know if, I guess he's recognizing or somehow connecting to the thoughts of others. And um, it seems to enjoy that. And then he says that I'm the only free person on the face of this earth, it seems. I'm the only free person. Um, I don't know if he means that he feels like he's, you know, the only one with the cheat sheet kind of idea, the only one with this sense of what's going on on the other side, and therefore he's free or something. I'm not sure. And then he says it seems so strange people think about the Black Death Plague and then watch a person die in a race car. I call it gory glory. I'm, I think he's making some kind of joke there, but I... <laughs> I, I think I missed it. It went over my head. <laughs> so, anyway. This is a really cool experience because after finding himself in the void, he and he's kind of saying, where am I? And next thing he knows, he's talking to Jesus. And Jesus is saying, uh, do you believe I created the universe? And when Stephen answers yes he finds himself uh, looking through it. It looks like, because he says, I had the mind of Christ. It's like he's seeing from Jesus's point of view or something to that effect. Anyway, this and the previous one are clearly very Christian near-death experiences. And uh, even though, according to uh, the previous one, uh, where there's mention of Christ, uh, they said that they didn't go to church or hadn't been a church person. So that, that's kind of interesting. But, um, so yeah, I think I'll stop there for today. Very interesting experiences. Um, very short experiences for the most part, but profound too, and beautiful. Most near-death experiences seem to be this level of, or, or, you know, even smaller levels, sometimes just standing over the body or something, but uh, just insightful enough and interesting enough that, it, you know, I figured they were worth talking about. So, if you would like to support the podcast, you can do so by either purchasing my book, Life in the Spirit World, especially the audiobook, um, or you can get my album, Home, which is also on neardeathexperience.org, or sorry, neardeathexperiencepodcast.org, um, and then click on store. You can also become an ongoing monthly contributor by going to patreon.com slash podcast and becoming an ongoing monthly contributor. And um, I just want to say thank you to you guys for listening.